When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Premier League Daily from Sports Social. Hello and welcome to the Football Social Daily. It's Friday and that means one thing, the return of Premier League football. And it comes a little early this week with a Friday night clash between Southampton and Leicester City. We'll have a full Premier League preview show available first thing tomorrow morning. But before that, we're going to take a look back at last night's Europa League action, preview that huge game at St Mary's Stadium and get some fantasy football tips from our resident guru, Mr Kieran Howley. And to get through all that today, I'm joined ably in the studio by Mr. Stefan Armstrong. Hello, Stefan. Hello, how's it going? It's a pleasure to be here. And Mr. Tom Padden. Hi, how are you doing? Good morning, guys. And I'm Fergal Brennan. Now, let's get straight into this. Clean sweep last night for all three English sides in the yeah. Europa League. Manchester United winning against Partizan Belgrade. Wolves coming back with a brilliant 2-1 win away at Sloven Bratislava. And Arsenal just about squeaking past Vitoria Giermesh. Now, Manchester United always seems to be the starting point whenever we chat about Europa League. Um, the big story for Manchester United last night was debutants and young players getting games, getting minutes under their belt. And I think it's only fair when we're talking about debuts that we talk about our own debutant, which is Tom. Tom's a big, massive Manchester United fan. He's somewhat undecided about United's performance last night. He's happy with the three points. In the words of Aaron Wambisaka on Twitter this morning, a win is a win. Tom, yep. would you agree a, with that? A win is a win and the points is all that matters. That's what you go, go there for. And like like you said there with debutons, Brandon Williams, I know it wasn't his debut, but it was his first full 90 minutes, I believe. And he was outstanding. He stood out um, from the rest. And with Luke Shaw being injured, Ashley Young getting on a bit, is coming through at the right time. Brandon Williams is one of them players that United fans love. He's come through the academy and he looks like if there was a kind of an archetypal, almost throwback to Ferguson-style United player where he gets the club, he gets what the fans want and he, he knows that he needs to perform. And you get the sense from Solskjaer with these young players that he has put a bit of faith in this season that if he continues on that road, that he could potentially make that left-back spot his own. Exactly. And what I'd like to see was he was always there for the second ball. He was always the first man in there just weren't afraid to get stuck in and that's what you need to be a United player. And obviously, as we say, you know, you've said, Mr Wambisaka said as well, three points on the board, away from home and what was always going to be a difficult environment. But Stefan, you know, 
we can't all be glass half full. We've got to be a little bit glass half empty yeah, now. Do you know what? Can I bring a bit of reality back to all Man United <laughs> fans? Sorry to say this, Tom. But, you know, it's beautiful to see that all these young players, all these debutants, you know, playing for Man United... And they get the Man United way. They were brought up with it. Well done, Oli Solskjaer. <laughs> but to be honest here, are they good enough? Are they going to be good enough? Now, Man U were playing a relatively poor partisan team last night and they made it very, very difficult for themselves. I didn't watch the game, but I was watching the highlights and all the highlights were partisan. Everything was partisan. Yeah. Their, their lad up top looked brilliant. Sadiq, I think he was called. Sadiq. He had, you, a, he had a loan spell at Rangers uh, a while back and he never really did anything, but... Last night, he looked like an absolute world beater. He was like skinning everyone left, right and centre. There we are. He had a loan spell <laughs> with Rangers yeah. a few years ago <laughs> and, and didn't do anything. United. And yeah. now he's looking like a world beater against United. So, I agree. Points are points, a win's a win. But it was a painful game to watch, I think. Well, I think the key takeaway from it was when you look back over the stats after the game, one shot on target, and that was the penalty that Anthony Martial scored. Uh I did watch it last night, and I can tell you from watching the full 90 minutes, you did better just watching the highlights (laughs) package that you did this morning. Um, Martial, yeah, he's come back in the team, he's knocked in the penalty, and as you say, a win's a win, but one shot on target... He was very quiet. One shot on target is poor. I think think the difference is, and the comparisons are, when you look at a young Liverpool team being fielded, or a young even Tottenham team being fielded um, they look a lot sharper they look a lot more exciting and uh, especially the Chelsea team they look really really good when Man United are doing it they're getting the results a little bit and they're grinding it out but it doesn't look brilliant does it? I feel like the players are putting in 100% effort and I believe they're playing for Solskjaer I just think they're lacking a bit of creativity in midfield especially and that's where the lack of goals are coming from but I believe that they will start knocking them in. It's just a matter of patience for United fans. Martial good is is good to come back. That's great. But I think obviously when you look at the Premier League form that Manchester United have shown so far this season, and obviously now back into the kind of the run of the mill games, Premier League playing Norwich this weekend. These young players that are getting chances in the Europa League under Solskjaer this season, based on what you've seen so far, based on what you saw last night, would you be confident of throwing Brandon Williams into a Premier League game or James Garner into midfield in the Premier League? I, I think that when you look at Chelsea at the moment. Their, their team's pretty much just youngsters, but a lot of them have been out on loan spells. They've played with Frank before and with Derby last year. And with the United youngsters, none of them have really been out on that loan spell. So they just, they've just been playing academy football and then all of a sudden they're thrown into the deep end in the Premier League and in the Europa League and expecting to, uh, that's to be absolutely brilliant. And uh, I, think if, I think if you look at Williams and you look at Garner, these players, they're, they're probably a year behind in the development to a lot of the Chelsea squad. And... That, that's that's the worrying thing for Man United. Yeah, the, you can't expect them just to to come straight in and be because well. those Chelsea boys are doing the biz in the Champions League away at Ajax. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, a, it's different a completely thing. different thing. What I will say is that I've been to that partisan ground, and as a fan, when you're walking in, it's a scary place, man. Yeah. There's a lot of police presence. The, the local fans, they're hard. It's yeah. pretty scary. So I can understand why a young team might have felt a bit subdued by that atmosphere. That, I get that. That's a good point. And obviously, as I mentioned before, clean sweep for all three Premier League sides last night. Wolves, they're a, they're a team we've spoken about quite a bit on the podcast. When we look at, you know, we we love to kind of draw on the old cliche of how are they going to do it? How are they going to balance Europa League with Premier League? And mm. I think there's an argument to be made that maybe, maybe just maybe, we've been a bit too quick in saying yeah. that they can't handle it. And, you know, and everyone looks at the example of Burnley last year and how they struggled and, and they really, really saw their Premier League form dip and they had to kind of battle against relegation. Wolves are somewhat booking that trend. When you look at the numbers, and I always say, 
say, when you're kind of having these kind of, you're looking at these teams, you're not massively sure about. Wolves' numbers in the last few weeks are pretty, pretty strong. We've got a situation whereby they haven't lost since mid-September in any competition and they're getting that little bit of rubber, rubber the green where they're getting late goals. Big result again last night away at Sloven Bratislava who Europa League regulars, Wolves are not. Are we seeing a sense of maybe we maybe we need to cut Wolves a bit more of a slack? Yeah, to be honest, Wolves started slowly but they had a busy, busy summer and they had to go through a qualifying process. So I think that takes a little bit out of you for the start of the season. They're, they're up to 13th in the Premier League now. They're only going up. So to be honest with you, I don't, I don't know why, they, why they've got haters, why they've no. got doubters out there. Uh, what I will say about the game last night and what I like about Wolves is... It was it was a scrappy kind of game last night. It was it was filled with goalkeeper errors, um, so it wasn't the nicest game to see in front of a crowd of purely school children, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> which must be a bit odd. Um, the, the chants were a little bit different last night, which is yeah. good. Um, but they, a lot more PG friendly. Yeah, yeah. much more PG friendly. <laughs> but like, I like to see the struggle in the Wolves team there. Like they really battled out a two-one victory yeah. last night, and that. You've you got to be chuffed if you're a Wolves fan, eh? Yeah, and obviously, as you mentioned, obviously, Manchester United playing young players. What um, what Wolves have done so far this season, what Nuno Santos tried to do is blend some squad players, some young players into those Europa League games yeah. so that his kind of his, his A team are ready for the Premier League match that weekend. And you're looking at a situation uh, Ruben Vanagri, Matthew Kilman both played last night. Morgan Gibbs White is someone that's really he highly like rated. A really good player, yeah. Do are they demonstrating that they do have a squad? We're not we're not necessarily saying they've got a top four squad, but they've got a squad there of probably seventeen or eighteen players that mean that they can you know compete on two fronts. I feel like the longer they stay in the Europa League, the more they're going to struggle. We've seen it in in the years go by with teams like Everton. Um, they just don't have the deep enough squad to to get through the full season. What what I will say though is, see if you're a Wolves fan. How you're loving the Europa League, by the way. The further you go, the more away wow. days you get. Like, to be honest, that, that's the best period in the club's history for so long. Well, from being in the Championship two years ago to beating all the top teams last season, the first in the first yeah. season back in the Premier League to now playing away, like you said, in the Europa League and winning. It's it's good to see. But the young lad, um, who was the last one you said? Morgan Gibbs White. He, he had a chance last night. Um, I think which he. He's somewhat scuppered. I'm not sure about that. He did, and I think he's he's an example of someone that there's been so much praise, uh, you know, kind of laid at his door. And you know, he's another one of these examples of an English player with a double-barreled surname. So instantly, everyone goes, <laughs> "He must be mustard. <laughs> he must be absolute mustard." Keep an eye on him. Whether he's, you know, he could be John Barry Jackson, and people will be like, "No, no, no, no. He's the one you want to be watching out for." But he, he does he does look good. But again, it's it's a building project, and and I think when you look at the players around him, particularly in midfield, there's. You you know, he struggles to have a better mentor than someone like Gian Moutinho. You know, 500,000 caps for Portugal. Yeah. He's been very successful prior to coming to Wolves. Oh. He's got Ruben Neves in there as well. So the the environment for someone like Gibbs White to develop in is, is almost ideal. For, for these young lads to be playing with half of the national Portugal national team is a, is a great thing. Yeah. Isn't it? Well, and I think, Stefan, you, you said earlier off air that um, Wolves have seemed to invest their money in the right way. They've not gone for these big name players. It's people that relatively weren't heard of two years ago, but they've come through and they're playing as an actual team. Whereas you, you look at United's um, investments over the past few years and it's just been absolutely awful. No plan whatsoever. They've just gone in and bought whoever they, they bloody well wished. And they did it in the wrong way, whereas Wolves, I feel like they've done yeah. it in the right way. Team building exercise at Wolves, that, yeah, I think. They've yeah. got a proper team there, which is... 
Well, is what you want. Quick question, following on from what you just said, Stefan, yeah. about Wolves fans enjoying these trips away in Europe that yeah, you yeah. haven't had since the 60s. If you're a Wolves fan, obviously, as you mentioned, you're delighted with this. Now, what what would you prefer if you're a Wolves fan? Would you prefer a Europa League trophy or a cup success, an FA Cup win or a League Cup win? This is, you know, we're removing the, yeah, the yeah. potential doubt that they're going to go on and win the Premier League. I think we can all safely say that. If you're a Wolves fan, what do you prefer? Do you prefer that Europa League in the cabinet, stories of away days all over Europe yeah. or the FA Cup? 100% Europa League. Yeah. I mean, it's stuff of, of, of folk legends, isn't it? You know what I mean? Um, you want to be part of that as well as a fan. See, see, see when, you, when you're going on these European adventures and then it's all like, were you there? Were you here? We still have it with hearts now. People are saying, oh, were you in Zagreb 10 years ago? You know what I mean? Yeah. And we, we didn't even make it to the group stage. So to, for Wolves to go far in this competition would be the biggest thing for this club for so long. It's incredible. I think you've got to compare it as well. Like If you win the FA Cup, you get put into the Community Shield. If you win the Europa League, you're into the Champions League. So. Yeah. Wolves in the Champions League, that'd be class. And then they can go on and win that. We can, yeah. we can be sitting here again in 12 months. <laughs> Club I'm going to ask you that again. Yeah. Wolves, Champions of the World. Could we imagine that? Could we see that? Uh, oh, yeah, why not? Eh? Uh, that'd be brilliant. Let's go down to Wolverhampton for a party. <laughs> right, Probably well, more chance than United. From, <laughs> from Champions of the World to a team that are definitely not Champions of the World at the moment, and that's Arsenal. Mm-hmm. Um Again, as I mentioned, they did get over the line last night against Pretoria Germesh, but it was far, far, far from easy. And watching the game last night, you can see there is that tiny little bit of toxicity getting into the Arsenal fan base, which they're well used to. I can tell you that as a fact. Uh, and particularly directed towards Unai Emery. Yeah. If you didn't watch the game last night, struggled in the first half and there was chance just before the halftime break for we've got Azil, Mesut. we've got Mesut Azil clearly directed at uh, Unai Emre who's who's made his point very clear which is there's been issues with em- uh, Ozil in terms of his performances and training that's why he's not been playing he was left out of the match day squad again last night for a match where Arsenal were always going to need a bit of creativity against an organised kind of low level side that will come into the Emirates Stadium what happens now with regards to we'll talk about the game in just a second but yeah. Stefan I want to just ask you quickly about Ozil what happens now in terms of all the players that are involved does Emery bring him in does that does that leave him in a weak position if you're Ozil am I right in saying that do? Ozil was named as one of uh, Emery's six captains by in this sort of team captain ballot that at they the start had. of the season <laughs> okay yeah. so that's that's the first weird thing um I think the issue was highlighted midweek during that it, it was claimed to be some sort of training ground spat between Emery and Ozil. I think Ozil just basically went up to him and said, by the way, I still play for you. Yep. Remember that. Um, I think you've got to show respect to Ozil on the fact that he's a World Cup winner. He's done the biz at lots of big clubs and he probably is Arsenal's uh, most creative spark. Yep. But there's a reason why he's not playing and we're not seeing that reason, but perhaps Emery is. I think he was vindicated last night for um, not bringing him on because Pepe stole the show yeah. and rightly so it was great seeing that third goal go in and Unai Emery was just sat on his seat almost like put his hands behind his back almost saying I can't hear you anymore yeah. you know what I mean nobody's yeah. calling for Ozil now but that's I mean is that a is that a helpful situation to have where Emery knows the fans are potentially chanting maybe it's a little bit tongue in cheek about Ozil yeah. not playing to then as, as Stefan says make that sort of a statement of look look at the player I've brought on he's just scored two goals the winner of the winner, which was an absolute belter of a free kick, does that kind of demonstrate a little bit of disconcord between Emery and the fans? What the fans want in terms of Özil, what Özil wants in terms of the team? I think I think that um, the Arsenal fans have to stick by Emery. I mean, I I think Arsenal personally look better than they did when they under the last few years of um, Arsene Wenger, and it's a it's a building project just like just like United is. Um, the dressing room spat isn't something that you want it, it's, it can destroy a team's morale so I think they need to sort that out sooner rather than later Ozil's a world class player 
And um, I think we will see him again, definitely. What I would say is, Ozil said, I'm staying at Arsenal till 2021. So it's something that needs to be resolved. Well, he's he may a, as well see how his contract is. He's, he's on a massive contract. Yeah, so he's not moving not. anywhere. So why not try and make most of him? My question would be, to Arsenal fans, to people like yourself, Fergus, like, do you rate Unai Emery? Do you like him? Do you like what he's done to the club? Do you like the direction he's going in? Because there's a lot of people within the last few months who have said, I'm not sure that there's any difference. Paul Merson, for example, he he, he clearly doesn't like Unai Emery. He says, like, this hasn't changed at all since Arsene Wenger. So that would be my question. What I would say about Emery is, when you look at his record, when you look at what he's tried to do, no, I'm not massively impressed. I, I look mm-hmm. at the situation with Marco Silva at Everton and I would compare Emery to um, and a, a slightly better Marco Silva, whereby, mm. yes, things have improved in terms of results, in terms of league finishing, but not really. That's only the points that we've got. That's not the position in the league that we've finished in. And I think the key thing with regards to Emery and you know, there's echoes of this with Silva at, at Goodison Park, there isn't a way of playing still. There isn't mm. an actual identity in terms of how it is. There's been quite a few expensive purchases. Obviously, we mentioned Pepe has come in. The likes of David Luiz, who's come in at centre-back as well. I struggle to see where the improvements have been made in terms of the starting eleven, in terms of the players that can come in for Europa League games, for, for cup games. So, yeah, I would agree with that. I don't think it's been a disaster so far under him, but I, I do struggle to see in which direction we're going. I don't think he's necessarily the man to bring us back into the top four. And I think if he does, I think it'll be more, not quite through luck, but due to Manchester United derailing themselves, yeah. Yeah. Chelsea potentially not being in a position to, to last the full season. And then by default, there's got to be one one yeah. other team, unless Wolves win the Europa Less, League, that get sneak well. in. Then, my, and I think that's that's Arsenal's best way of doing it. My, my big worry for, for Arsenal and this kind of relationship between the fans and Unai Emery is, if you look at last night, okay, they're playing Vittoria, who, you know, aren't going to set the world alight in terms of big name teams, right? But the stadium was very, very empty. There were, there were a lot of missing seats. So if you've got a fan base who have got a bit of a problem with the manager, but then who are also not turning up for the team. I mean, uh, Pepe scored two absolute wonder free kicks last night. I thought the first one was no. unbelievable. That, I don't even know if Ronaldo could do that now. You know what I mean? It was a beautiful free kick, but only half a stadium saw him do that. Yeah, and I mean, but that's... <laughs> That ties in with a deeper issue with regards to Arsenal fans and, and their relationship towards these situations. Um, Thursday night football, it was an eight o'clock kickoff. Yeah. I know these things might sound very minor, but it does play a role in the minds of certain fans. Does it mean that Arsenal fans aren't bothered about the Europa League, though? And and if they're not, then they need to start being. <laughs> if they're not, why, why, why have they hired a manager who's the Europa League specialist? Yeah. <laughs> Mr. E League. That's his actual yeah. real name. Yeah. yeah. E Liga. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's enough European chat. We're going to call it there just for a minute, but we'll be back in a moment to preview that Friday night lights clash between Southampton and Leicester City, as well as Kieran popping in to give us his tips for fantasy football. Sports Social. Premier League Daily from Sports Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss an episode. Hello and welcome back to the Football Social Daily, your only daily podcast on all things Premier League. Now, before the break, Tom, Stefan and myself were chatting about Europa League, Manchester United's young guns, Arsenal's not-so-young guns and Wolves doing the business away from home in Europe. But we're going to move swiftly on to some Premier League action now. Friday Night Football, it has its fans, it has its detractors, but like it or not, it is here to stay. And we do have a Friday Night Clash this weekend. Southampton welcome Leicester City to the St Mary's Stadium. You look at the form of 
other two sides in recent weeks fairly contrasting Southampton not really able to get it together either at home or away and Brendan Rodgers is Leicester making a real push for top four yes they lost to Liverpool a fortnight ago but a really big performance from them against Burnley last weekend where do we see this one going? It's a it's a completely contrasting tale isn't it of top four and, and bottom three relegation um, to be honest with you I know it's away from home for Leicester, but I can't really see anything other than a Leicester win. The The only kind of question mark I've got is Danny Ings is banging them in right now for fun. I think he's got five and four or four and five, can't remember. Um, so if he turns up, it could be a more, well, it could be a tastier game, to be honest, but I'm not expecting it. I mean, Vardy is playing wonderfully ever since uh, Rodgers has taken over. He's really, really come. I think he's stepped up another level, to be honest with you. Um I think it's a Leicester win. Yeah, I would agree. And when, when you look at the, the form that they've been in, Niall won't be thanking any of us for reminding <laughs> about this, but the last the last win they've had in the last five weeks was that League Cup win away at Portsmouth. And you make a good point about Danny Ings. If he doesn't play, where do the goals come from? There isn't there isn't anywhere they come from. Um, unfortunately for Southampton fans, they've just not got the, the quality of players. And I believe they'll be struggling um, to stay in the Premier League this season. But when you look at the money that they've spent and, and the, the options that they have in that squad, there, there is a lot of um, there is a lot of Premier League experience. You know, we look at the strikers they've got. I've mentioned Ings. They've got they've got Shane Long. They've got um, Sofian Bafale. Che Adams came in in the summer and looked really impressive, but it just doesn't seem to be clicking for them. Um, Shea Adams was my tip at the start of the season to to be like one of the surprise goal scorers. But I, I, he's been a bit quiet, if we're being honest. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if he's really made that step up. There's been a lot of running around and, and a lot of kind of, you know, he likes to pressure defenders. Yeah, but in but terms of results, sticking the ball in the back of the net, he's that, not really done look, it. Look, top strikers are paid to do one thing, and that's to score goals. Whether whether it's world-class wonder goals from 30 yards outside the box, or to be honest, if you're a striker, just being in the right place at the right time, scrapping them in. He's not really done that. But they've got, to be honest with you, apart from Danny Ings, we've, we've also missed off James Ward-Prowse, we've missed Stuart Armstrong. These are decent players who... Who can all contribute yeah. but I'm, I've, not, I've not felt this season that Southampton have really gelled as a team um, I, I don't really see that much animation from R- Ralph Hasenhuttle I, I just feel like it's a bit stale He's definitely not the most animated. Like I've watched him in so many games, he looks like a bottle of milk standing there sometimes. <laughs> he has the odd chat with the fourth official, but other than that, you don't really see any sort of... And I think that transmits into the players. As, as Stefan yeah. said, there doesn't, there doesn't seem to be any sort of life to them. There doesn't seem to be any sort of zip. And, and you know, other than Ings knocking the goals in, you'd struggle to name a player in that Southampton team that's stood out for them this season. Well, well it's funny because when, when he first took over the job, you've seen the, the effort the players put in. They were running, they were running rings around everyone... Um, they played really well at Old Trafford. Um, I think they nearly beat us apart from a Pereira uh, last-minute screamer. And you'd think that they would have kick-started from that. Um, they had a good end to the last season, kick-start on this season, but it's just not happened for them. I think Southampton are lucky that they share a league with the likes of Newcastle, Watford. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like There are other teams who are going to struggle. And do you know what? That's what I love about the Premier League. I love the fact that there's always a handful of teams yeah. who could go down. And that's interesting. That's yeah. good fun. And you never know, like Friday night under the lights. Um, yeah, it might change. You never know what's going to happen. It might change. And now, Leicester are obviously not a side that's been struggling so far this season. No. Two defeats since the beginning of the campaign against Manchester United, obviously, which you'll remember very well. <laughs> and then against Leicester, as I mentioned, uh, two weeks ago. But they have been impressive. They're third ahead of the game tonight. If they win, they could actually go above Manchester City wow. into second place. Now, when you look at Leicester City, yeah, we always have to look at this through the frame of Premier League title winners not so long ago. But 
did did we expect Leicester to be here at the start of the season? I didn't. I didn't expect Leicester to be performing so well. I was expecting top seven, top eight. Um, but I think what Brendan Rodgers has done is he's kept, apart from Harry Maguire, he's kept his best players. Vardy's performing at a greater level than what he kind of was uh, under the previous manager, which is great. I think Rodgers has really made him the focal point. But then you've got Madison, who's like kind of coming to age. Yeah beautiful player he'll probably be an England regular within the next year and uh, Tillman so he's been Tillman has been excellent yeah. He's, yeah. he's great and he, he scored he scored for winner the other day um, and what, what I like about Leicester is obviously let's forget about their Premier League winning uh, season but they are like you get the sense that they're a proper family club and I get yeah. I understand their identity especially with um, the kind of one year anniversary things with Vice yeah. um, you can see how, how much that club means to everybody and I think players tap into that and I can, you see that so it, it's a do you know what? Probably a great club to be part of at the minute. Yeah. I feel sorry for Harry Maguire. He's, I do. He's, he's, he's left potential Champions League for uh, potential seventh place. <laughs> well, I thought that'd be a big blow to Leicester losing him, but it doesn't even seem like they're missing him at all. And Son Yuku's been excellent coming in. He, yeah. He's been another bit of a bargain signing for but them. Chilwell as well. He's, he's stepped up another level as well. So, yeah. I mean. And, and obviously in the um, league winning season, they had um, Angolio Kante. When they lost him, they replaced him with Ndidi, and he just looks a world beater as well. Yeah, so. it's just it's just really really intelligent recruitment, as you say. Yeah. And it's not this kind of thrashing around in the dark. Harry Maguire's left. I think Sonuku. We can all you know hold our hands up and say we never saw that coming, no. unless you know your followers of you know hipster Turkish football, which if you are, <laughs> I apologise. Um, and then in midfield, in midfield, sorry, it was such a sensible decision. Tillemans was excellent on loan for them this season, uh, last season. Don't don't you know waste your time don't in the transfer market. He was yeah. excellent for you last. Season, bring him in, whatever it takes to get him in on a permanent deal. Do it, and, and that's exactly what but they did. They've, they've signed well and mixed mixed kind of youth with experience as well. I like the signing of Jose Perez. I thought that was quite a clever buy from Newcastle. He he, he works well up top. Well, see, he, I didn't think that would work. I have to admit, I thought I thought he did struggle in patches last season, and he benefited from having Rondon. And I thought because Vardy's very different to Rondon, obviously, mm. I didn't think that would work. But yeah. what do I know? Apparently. He still he scored twelve goals though in a really poor Newcastle team that didn't score a lot of goals. And um, he had a slow t- start to the season, but I think he's he's getting used to his teammates now. And I also um, really like Harvey Barnes. He looks like a great yeah. player. Yeah. He's only young, isn't he? I think he's 19. 19. And he another another wow. academy product, just yeah. like Hamza Chowdhury, yeah. who's also been given a bit of a run and, and looks like a real prospect. I, I almost feel like... We, at the start of the show, we were talking about United <laughs> young guns, right? And they're kind of of the same age as these players that we've been talking about. Adam yeah. Barnes, uh, Ben Chilwell, all these sort of players. Um, I, mean, I think that's the look. difference. I think yeah. that's why United yeah. are where they are and well, why Leicester are where they are. It just feels like a different type of youth, a more progressed mm. youth. Like they've, they've almost kind of done it properly, whereas the United one feels fast-tracked. Yeah. And that's why Leicester are third, and that's why Leicester will probably go to Southampton tonight, which would be difficult. Cold, yeah. cold down there at St Mary's on a Friday night um, in October, but they'll probably get something from it. So you're going for a win. We're I'm going, going for a win. Spin around the table. 2-1. 2-1 Leicester. Yeah. Tom, do you agree with that? I think it'll be 3-0. 3-0. Yeah. Well, Leicester. yeah, I'm going to make it 3 for 3. Apologies to any Southampton fans that are listening, but I, I just as we've as we've discussed, I just think Leicester have been excellent and I always think with with Vardy in the team, even away from home, he, he's such a threat and against the Southampton defence that hasn't exactly covered itself in glory uh, so far this season, I think he'll be absolutely licking his lips. 
Okay, so we've given our opinion on Leicester Southampton tonight, and um, you know we've all pretended that we like we know something about who's going to score, who's going to keep a clean sheet. But the reality is, anyone that listens to this show regularly on a Friday will know that we don't know anything about what's <laughs> actually going to happen. There's only one man on the sports social team that ever knows anything that's going to happen, and that's Mr. Kieran Harley. Kieran, how are you? Oh, what a build up! Thank you very I much. I think a fully deserved build up. The Football Social Daily Fantasy Football Guru. A fairly busy Premier League schedule this weekend. Hmm. Where are we looking? Now, one of the things that we chatted about before we started recording was there's a lot of kind of middle of the road, mid-table, mid-to-bottom table games this weekend. People are going to be looking at their teams and, and making some last-minute changes and thinking, where can I squeeze a bargain? Who's going to you know, get that 1-0 goal to, to get me some uh, points? You know, Because everybody wants to be the big man in the office on Monday morning where they can go, I put in X and, well, you know. Kieran, any tips? Mm. Well, what I normally suggest is don't go for single hitters. So if you're bringing in a player, don't bring him up for a single game. Uh, you want to be looking at the next five game weeks and whether they're going to pull in value across that. Uh, saying that, I think there are some teams that jump out. Um, if you're looking at bringing in players that you want to make an impact immediately and you are going to carry on that value. I mean, we're talking about mid-table teams, so we might as well start with Man United. (laughs) I think um, the Man United defence, strangely enough, is looking very exciting over the next five weeks. If you look into the stats, Man United have actually conceded the least amount of shots in the box, which sets them up really well for clean sheet potential. If you look across the next five game weeks as well, you've got Norwich, Bournemouth, Brighton, Sheffield and Villa on the next five you would expect probably three out of five at least and if you're looking at players like Juan Bissaka or Harry Maguire then you're looking at assist and goal potential as well so that would be my first step uh, talk about Leicester not really a mid-table team anymore but I think they're very exciting again uh, another five weeks coming up um, looking into easy fixtures and they've got Southampton away yep. uh, Southampton looking uh, catastrophically weak at the moment so I would bank uh, bench another clean sheet for them I've said this guy before but I get a Soyinku yeah. as, as a great potential uh, still very cheap he's at 4.7 I think so if you're looking at rounding out your defenders Man United defenders Leicester defenders uh, across the next five game weeks one of the things that I've been looking at as part of my pretend knowledge of fantasy football is penalties and I think everyone when they mm-hmm. pick the team at the start of the season kidded themselves and everyone gave each other a nudge and be like get yourself a couple of penalty takers in and I fell clean into that trap Me too. and I, <laughs> I persevered with Luka Milivojevic no no I'm not I'm, I'm not taking him out even though Palace couldn't couldn't hit a, couldn't hit a barn door let alone get a penalty mm. uh, and I, I eventually relented and took him out of my team so what I want to ask is there's been 17 penalties scored so far this season which based on previous seasons at this stage is is below the average what's the theory behind penalty takers is it an expensive risk or is it worth looking doing your homework doing your research of which games players are likely to get penalties and who is a solid penalty taker mm. I'd say it's it's a sound theory I, I won my World Cup Thank fantasy you. football only bringing in penalty takers, essentially. Ah. Uh, Grank Fist, I think, was the hero in the World Cup on that. What I would say, I, I think you have an interesting case saying that Millie has only really been the exception to the rule. It's that people bring in Millie only to build penalties. Everyone else doesn't really get on in that way. I say I look at penalties if it's a differential between two prospects. So Vardy has always been a great striker choice because he takes penalties as well as gets on the end of balls. Um, I would look at uh, Jimenez, I think, over the next five weeks. Again, Wolves, fantastic fixtures. You're looking at striker options. You also get that bonus, scored a penalty in his last game as well. Defenders are a great choice as well. 
Uh, so any defender that takes a penalty, uh, all those glory days of having Leighton Baines line up and getting <laughs> the goals and the penalty. I don't think there's actually that any options. Is, is Shah taking them at Newcastle? I'm not sure. I think it's rotated between them. I think he will be amongst probably the top two or three to take them. Mm. I think Joel Anton, I think he's taken one so far this season. Yeah, so I think he's probably the only exception that. Otherwise, uh, you're looking at plays you're going to get in anyway. So if I'm looking at Everton, I'm getting Siggy in probably um, over the other options. And penalties are a good way of swinging that. But I'd never bring in a guy, only penalties. I resisted Millie in the previous seasons. And when you're looking <laughs> at this season, where we're not getting those actions, we're seeing referees being more cautious, I think. I think they're happy to let VAR make the decision for them rather than pulling the option. Chelsea have got a very young side. Now, I'm not that into my fantasy football, but am I right in saying that there's going to be some good value for some of these Chelsea younger players and they've got um, Burnley this week? Mm. Yeah, I well, I, I've been a massive champion of Mount from the start. Really exciting player, playing every game. Uh, the, the option on Chelsea or the worry in Chelsea was always there's just loads of kids. So who's actually going to get the starts? Uh, so I think it's a little early for Hudson-Odoi. I know a lot of people who brought him in last week and got some great action off him. Um, but he's fighting William, he's fighting Pedro, he's fighting um, Pulisic. So uh, it's it's tough one on him. Um, but I definitely go in for Mount. Mount and Tamori, I think he go to on Chelsea. Uh, both starters, both cheap, both great value, always in the points every week. Brilliant. Thanks very much, Kieran. I think we've all got our uh, money's worth from you this week, particularly Stefan getting some expert (laughs) advice there. And that's all for today. Don't forget to check out our Premier League preview show. That will be available first thing Saturday morning. You can get it via our Twitter account at The Sports Social or via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow your team through our Premier League news updates. They're available every single day. Just simply ask your Alexa device to enable Sports Social. Thanks very much for listening and we'll see you very soon. Premier League Daily from Sports Social. Subscribe to the podcast now and never miss an episode. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.